This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm bringing Meta's two AI research efforts closer together to support our long-term goals of building general intelligence, open sourcing it responsibly, and making it available and useful to everyone in all of our daily lives. It's become clearer that the next generation of services requires building full general intelligence, building the best AI assistants, AIs for creators, AIs for businesses, and more. That needs advances in every area of AI, from reasoning to planning to coding to memory and other cognitive abilities. This technology is so important and the opportunities are so great that we should open source and make it as widely available as we responsibly can so that everyone can benefit. People are also going to need new devices for AI, and this brings together AI and the metaverse. Because over time, I think a lot of us are going to talk to AIs frequently throughout the day. And I think a lot of us are going to do that using glasses. Because glasses are the ideal form factor for letting an AI see what you see and hear what you hear, so it's always available to help out. Titles the guided tour of Apple Vision Pro. Alessandra McGinnis. Will Dawn's Apple Vision Pro. When you put on Apple Vision Pro, what you see is your space and everything in it. Oh, wow. Let's open mindfulness. Okay. So this is an app that fully expands into your space. Enjoy a moment of peace, and I'll be here when you're done. Will starts a mindfulness session. Inhale appreciation. The room dims and a 3D flower floats. Exhale care. Translucent multicolored petals drift toward Will, then float around him. It's beautiful. I, I refer to digital worlds as immersive media, or to, to say it in another way, a physical digital hybrid form of computing so that the type of inputs that you put into the hardware, which are either self-contained virtual reality headsets, augmented reality goggles, or your phone, or new types of wearables, the, these all have input from your environment that is necessary to calibrate the devices, and you have body-based data that you give back to the devices. So it makes it feel real to your body and your cognition in a way that flat screen computing just doesn't. Welcome to the War Room. It's Friday, January 19th in the year of our Lord, 2024. It's not Stephen K. Bannon. It's Natalie G. Winters filling in. We have a very packed show, I would say. The uh, evil globalists up at the World Economic Forum make that quite easy for us with that wonderful cold open that Joe Allen put together for us. And without further ado, I will bring on our first guest joe allen who i guess just to start off i would love to get your very deep detailed granular thoughts on how the world economic forum ended what they focused on where you think they're going to go with it but just in general your assessment well natalie there's two things you have to remember about the world economic forum first and foremost 
what they're talking about this year uh, over the course of the year will more than likely be disseminated and adopted by corporations, governments, and uh, aspiring cyborgs across the planet. So they spoke a lot about artificial intelligence. They spoke a lot about metaverse technologies. Uh, they spoke a bit about robots. Uh, that's really, as we've covered for the last three years, uh, these are going to be uh, increasingly present in people's lives. Uh, for those who tell me that it has nothing to do with them and that it will never touch them, I wish you the best. I wish I lived in your world. So uh, the second thing to remember about the World Economic Forum, though, is that it is an ideological hub. These are just uh, executives and government officials and uh, the, the well-heeled from the financial world coming to chit-chat about the futures they want to see. The real import, uh, you know, the, the real center of gravity with these technologies is more in the tech corporations themselves. So uh, you might hear Klaus Schwab talking about how awesome the metaverse is, but the real focus should be on people like Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is the one developing and disseminating these technologies. And I think that to conflate the World Economic Forum's talking points with the actual technologies uh, really does miss a critical element. The people who are making and selling these Looks like we might be having some technological difficulties with Joe Allen. I would say that's a par for the course when the uh, globalist ruling class doesn't like the talking points that you're saying about their sort of ulterior motives and agenda with technology, with AI. If the studio, if you get him back up, you can just tell me in my ear. Um, he's back. We will try to bring him back one more time. Joe Allen, apparently the, uh, the big tech elites did not like what you were saying, but will allow you to continue. <laughs> you know, Natalie, I'm working on a, a brief memoir of my short life entitled Technical Difficulties. Uh, this is <laughs> certainly in line with all that. Um, so the real takeaway I, I would like for the audience to have from what we just saw there is that uh, as freakish and as ridiculous, as trans-tarded as it all seems, uh, there are millions upon millions of people that will be adopting these technologies, metaverse technologies, augmented reality goggles, virtual reality, and of course, artificial intelligence. Maybe one of the more disturbing themes of the World Economic Forum's panels was the idea that artificial intelligence isn't just inevitable, but that in order to keep up in society, you as a worker or you as a manager or you as the owner of a company will have to adopt these technologies in order to keep up in the new economy. Uh, it's not as if nature herself determined this or God looked down from on high and said this is so. This is all the creation of a kind of digital ecosystem built up by these tech companies pushed out by the corporations who adopt their technologies and pushed out by governments who oftentimes uh, use these technologies for either uh, convenience and efficiency or total surveillance. And that's what we heard from Zuckerberg there, aside from what may have uh, slipped past many viewers' attention, aside from announcing that they will be pursuing artificial general intelligence full bore, uh, they have purchased 
hundreds of thousands of GPUs to process, to train the artificial intelligence. Uh, and they want to create AGI, artificial general intelligence or artificial godlike intelligence. They want to open source it meaning that anyone can use their code uh, to develop AGI on their own. And, of course, this, uh, this push for metaverse technologies, both Zuckerberg with his meta stories, smart glasses, Apple now with their Vision Pro goggles, and many other smaller companies, what they want is everyone's data at the finest detail. They want to see the world you see through your eyes. They want to train artificial intelligence on that world, and they want to feed virtual worlds into your brain by way of your eyeballs. Uh, again, for those listeners who say, not me, I say, uh, fantastic. But for those listeners who think that this isn't going to be a major trend that affects them, I would say, look at what happened when the COVID panic had everyone turned into um, uh, mask fanatics and vax fanatics. Look what happened after 9-11 when suddenly smart devices were filling up the public space and surveillance cameras filling up the public space. This is the world they want. This is the future they want. We are going to have to drag our heels as hard as possible and we are going to have to fight for every bit of freedom we preserve. I'm curious, do you think that the reason, and you may not know the answer to this, but like when you watch Mark Zuckerberg do that, obviously very staged video, I wonder how many PR firms they had to pay to help coach him to look like a, a normal human, right? They have with the like nice bedroom in the background trying to make it look organic. But do you think that these people are just, for lack of a better word, so high on their own supply or so just into the technology that is artificial intelligence that they're sort of blindsided by the potential ramifications for it? Or do you think that there's something more nefarious? In other words, they see AI as sort of this new battleground that they can roll out some of their kind of global government agenda. These just more broader, like supranational entities. AI sort of seems like really something that would allow the UN, the WEFs of the world, the WHOs of the world to sort of roll out these global agendas at a much more rapid pace. I'm just curious where you think it is. Maybe it's both. Maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist, but what do you think, you know, was the motivating factor behind this? Well, you definitely got it right with getting high on their own supply. These people, unless they are really good actors and they seem so autistic, it would be impossible for them to act for too long. <laughs> they can't even seem to act like humans most of the time. Uh, I think that they are absolutely intoxicated with the ideas of the, the future of technology, uh, a world in which artificial intelligence rules over human beings, that they themselves have harnessed that artificial intelligence, that people have implants in their brains VR and AR goggles on their eyes, that their genes have been altered and in their minds perfected by CRISPR technology and other genetic engineering uh, technologies. No, they are enthralled by this. Uh, but as for the, I, you know, the, your question, are they doing this strictly to establish systems of control? Um, it's a very complex landscape. You've got people like Mark Zuckerberg, who, you know, uh, just a, a quick little historical tidbit that was unearthed by the journalist Whitney Webb. 
DARPA had a program called LifeLog that was in a that was being worked on up until early 2004, January 2004. LifeLog was a government-funded program to track every movement that any human being made, every email, every phone call, everything. Uh, LifeLog was ended in 2004 because of privacy concerns. Interestingly enough, uh, in February of 2004, Facebook was founded. Facebook is, in effect, a life log. What did we hear Mark Zuckerberg talking about? Logging your life in order for artificial intelligence to rake it over. So uh, there are a lot of very seedy and questionable connections there. But you also have people at Meta, Facebook now, such as their chief scientist, uh, Jan LeCun, who they want the government as uh, far away from their technologies as possible. They don't want the government regulating their technologies. There's a close connection in many ways with the government and these corporations, but there's also a tension between them. Uh, in regard to like globalism and nationalism, you see Elon Musk, who is peak transhumanism in everything that he is building and pushing, and yet he has, at least at the moment, um, uh, sided with American nationalists uh, in, in order to kind of aid in conservative movements to allow conservatives to have some voice in his digital prison called X. So it's not as simple, I don't think, as uh, you know, tech companies partnering with uh, the UN or the EU and, and various global institutions in order to establish a, world, a one world government. Uh, if I could leave the audience with one more example, Mark Andreessen, the venture capitalist. Uh, Mark Andreessen is very much a nationalist, very much anti-communist, and yet he also wants a world that is basically run by algorithms in which even war machines themselves, every act of kill, every act of violence on the battlefield, he believes should be done by AI. Uh, he has given his kid a chatbot that he believes will be an AI companion for the rest of his life, and he thinks that other people should too. So, I mean, here's a guy, anti-communist, pro-American, pro-freedom, pro-nationalist, total transhumanist. Um, it's. I wish it was as easy as picking out one single cabal and getting rid of them. Uh, the really the the landscape of the elite is completely suffused with this technological intoxication. Well, speaking of uh, getting high on your own supply, although I guess with this person, it's really more just uh, getting high. That is, of course, AI czar Kamala Harris. Um, you know, she's obviously incompetent. Um, that goes without saying. But I'm just curious from your perspective, obviously, House Republicans did what they do best last night, which is capitulate. Um, but where do you think the like general House Republican or just Republican elected official um, stands on AI? It doesn't really seem like it sort of seems like they subscribe to the mindset that, oh, we just don't have to engage with it. Right. Sort of the same stuff that they say about election fraud or immigration. Oh, it doesn't affect us. We can insulate ourselves from it. Um, but that's obviously not the case. How much like what is the lag time between what you guys are talking about? And where I would say the general Republican establishment needs to to catch up, or have you seen any positive actions coming from them? You know, there are a few who impress me, uh, both Republicans and a couple of Democrats actually uh, that uh, impress me. I, I say this all the time. Josh Hawley has his head wrapped around this more than almost anyone in Congress, perhaps more than anyone in Congress. Uh, he is also at least aware of that tension between regulating AI and the, the setting up a situation in which the government is able to censor 
human beings is able to uh, uh, suppress information online that is valid information is a real problem because you have a, I think there's already a problem with AI disseminated disinformation and misinformation and with the spread of just idiotic ideas, fake ideas on the internet, uh, that is a major problem. But you don't want to put big daddy government um, in a position where they can squash free speech as they have. Again, I beat this uh, to death, but during the pandemic, we saw the most egregious instances of, of valid information being completely suppressed. You don't want to give that governmental apparatus more power to do that on the basis of fears of AI. At the same time, uh, AI, for a lot of different reasons, is going to be very, very troublesome in the very near future. It already is. Deep fakes are going to be increasingly a huge problem. So again, uh, Josh Hawley, uh, in his rhetoric, uh, has been fantastic on this. Ro Khanna, Democrat, also very intelligent and uh, in by, by and large in line uh, with what I think uh, the politicians should be doing. But no, I, I think the the predominant trend is that you have these companies. I mean, we've seen all these meetings, Chuck Schumer hosting, you know, closed door meetings where you've got the heads of the big tech companies, Zuckerberg, uh, Elon Musk, uh, uh, I believe Larry Page, certainly uh, Sundar Pinchai, um, uh, Avi, uh, 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 Arvind Krishna of IBM, all the heads of these big tech companies uh, are going in and it appears that they are setting themselves up for regulatory capture in which because they're the experts, right, the same with pharmaceutical companies, the same with big ag companies, so on and so forth, because they're the experts, they're turned to to help craft the policies. Of course, those policies are more than likely to the extent these companies are the major influence, those policies are going to end up empowering those companies uh, squashing the competition from small startups and allowing these companies or get, uh, granting these companies a kind of safe and effective stamp from the government, uh, especially as they fast track all these technologies through regulation. And but, Joe, I gotta, I know, you know what? I don't usually interrupt. It's a Steve thing. I try to respect my guests, but I we have so much. I have so many other guests to get to. So sure. I want people to go and get the book because I know you've got into even more detail on all this. So where can they get the book? What's it called? How do you how do you pronounce it? Um, and where can they go to follow you? <laughs> Dark Eon: Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. You can get it anywhere books are sold. You can get it from Bookshop.org, the publisher SkyhorsePublishing.com, or use your palm to pay for it at Amazon. Uh, and you can find links to it at my social media at J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z and my new article up at warroom.org, CES 2024, Consuming and Ersatz Singularity, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Thank you very much, Natalie. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. We'll call that a pulling a Steve when I interrupt the guests, which I, I hate to do, but sometimes... You know, we have to. Um, we have, like I said, we have a bunch of wonderful guests to get to, but also make sure you check out Public Square. You know, they're one of the partners of the show. If you don't want to give your money to these evil AI-loving big tech giants, we got to get creative how we not just buy American-made products, but we stop giving money to companies that hate us. If I seem really tired, it's because I've been working tirelessly on, of course, she's so right. Um, the clothing brand, and just a little anecdote, we've been making some keychains in the America, America First Barbie style. 
Um, and I didn't want to give any money, of course, to any Chinese Communist Party factories. You know, that's the kind of hub of plastic manufacturing. So I was connected with a patriot in Texas who actually 3D prints keychains, making us, of course, less reliant on China and not having to give money to any communists in China, uh, explicit or otherwise. Um, and I think that just sort of speaks to the mindset, not just behind she's so right.co, but also public square, right? It's getting scrappy. It's getting creative because the enemy that we're up against is so robust. Um, I really think every little purchase helps. So make sure you check out public square. And while you're at it, I'd say go to birchgold.com slash Bannon two as de-dollarization continues to trend. Uh, it doesn't look good for, I would say, anyone who actually loves this country. So you should consider gold. Uh, I talked to Philip Patrick. He's much more well-versed on the subject than I am. They're great to talk to. Give him a call and you can read the latest installment of the end of the dollar empire too. Now, I know that was a, a bleak segment with Joe Allen and probably a, a bleak plug for our sponsors, but you guys know we always like to bring younger voices on the war room to give you guys some hope. So another young lady, an ambassador for Turning Point, someone who does a bunch of her own content is Morgan McMichael. You guys have seen on the show before, but she was on the ground reporting in Davos last year. Uh, she didn't go this year. I guess she got the, the lucky assignment. Um, but I would love, Morgan, if we have you, for you to sort of give us your compare, contrast um, of what you think they were focusing on last year, where you think they're they're going, where they went this year, and how we can sort of pregame or counter it. Absolutely. Thank you, Natalie, for having me on. I'm here sporting She's So Right, so you guys should go shop now. <laughs> but going back to the World Economic Forum, I did have the privilege of reporting there on the ground last year. And, you know, there, we always saw those topics of AI, transhumanism, especially like augmented reality that we've been seeing implemented now, especially with Apple's Vision Pro, which is very scary and dystopian, especially when it comes to uh, removing human interaction. I think that's the craziest part. But a lot of times these elites are talking about climate change, you know, reducing carbon emissions, which, by the way, my carbon footprint in my entire lifespan will be about 16 metric tons, where these elites are flying private jets, landing at an airstrip near Davos, then having to take a helicopter from the airstrip to Davos to then get picked up in their gas-powered vehicles. And they are emitting thousands of pounds more of CO2 than you and I ever will in our entire lifetimes. So it's just ironic. The entire forum is all about irony and hypocrisy, if I'm being totally honest. Um, but going from last year to this year, you know, it kind of gives me a little bit more hope. I reported today on the president of Argentina, how he's really been hammering it in with the elites and talking about how, you know, we need to fight back against socialism and capitalism really is the answer and that they are the protagonists and they're not actually the solution to the problem. And instead, they actually are the problem and creating the problems. So I think, you know, back in 2016, when the WEF released their eight predictions, I do think we've seen those unfold throughout the last six or uh, the last eight years and now coming up on six years until 2030. We're going to need to prepare ourselves and continue to speak out against the WEF and their radicalized elitist agendas to push our world more towards the Great Reset agenda. I mean, it's already upon us and it's just going to be our jobs to continue speaking out against it, standing up for our individual liberties and our freedoms that, thank goodness, are protected in the United States of America and make sure that we are fighting back against those crazy elites 
forces that are trying to destabilize Western civilization and our freedoms as we know it. Which, on that note, of the World Economic Forum, I actually have a mini documentary coming out about the WEF in my reporting last year, talking about this year's forum, 2024, what's been going on, coming out sometime next week. I'm so excited for that. I didn't even know you were you were working on that. That's amazing. But I'm I'm curious again. I, I always like joke. I feel bad for the reporters on our side who have to watch the World Economic Forum and and go there and spend time with these people. But I'm just curious. It seems like last year Ukraine was really a focus, right? There was a lot of discussion about that in the context of their favorite word, the D yes. word, democracy. And maybe I'm mistaken, but it didn't really seem like that was a a pressing topic this year do you think ukraine has sort of fallen by the wayside it didn't really seem like they they mentioned it all that much Ukraine is old news at this point. And I think that, you know, you, what the previous guest was saying with the transhumanism, with the augmented reality has really been the focus because look at how just we are obsessed with the digitized society. We are totally sucked in Gen Z, especially, you know, you have TikTok and it's going to be the next wave of how to attack our freedoms and how to attack Western civilization. So what better way than to get an entire generation addicted to social media and then want to actually live in a digitized world, you know, normalizing the 15 minute city theory and, you know, continuing to push that. I mean, last year when I was on the ground, there was an entire house on the promenade. When you're walking down, basically the buildings uh, all ha are represented by companies or countries. And the Ukraine house was very, very private. We couldn't even enter. Uh, when I was reporting outside the Ukraine house, I was told I needed to leave. I was getting too close to the building. And Ukraine was definitely one of the huge talking points among the uh, attendees and companies that were there. But this year, you know, I think we've seen a shift and they're seeing that people don't really care about Ukraine anymore, especially Americans. And instead, you know, there hasn't even really surprisingly been a lot of discussion about Israel, Palestine and what's going on in the country of Israel. Um, and it mostly was very directed towards, you know, the climate change, augmented reality, talking about universal health care, food insecurities, kind of their main talking points. And Morgan, I want to hold you through the break because I have one more question for you. But Warren Posse, don't go anywhere. We also got Catherine O'Neill joining us after the break to talk all things the elites want to do with probably one of your favorite things, meat and steak and your ability to eat it. But I'm sure you guys know the strap line of the World Economic Forum this year was uh, rebuilding trust. And I say that that is a psyop in and of itself because inherently I never trusted the World Economic Forum to begin with, and I'm sure you guys didn't either, so don't fall for it. They don't want to rebuild their trust. You can't rebuild something that you never had, and frankly, they're more in the business of destroying countries like I think they did with Ukraine last year, and they're trying to do with American sovereignty by, I would argue, just allowing a complete and utter invasion by the Visigoths, maybe that's too euphemistic a term, on our southern border but we will be right back after this break morgan catherine o'neill and a bunch of clips from the march for life hang in there we'll be right back for war room veterans you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with china and medications and the uh active pharmaceutical ingredients china has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in stream short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of this show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. 
Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Tax Network USA is pure war room for solving your IRS tax problems. If you owe back taxes, COVID was your lucky break. Tax court shut down, the IRS paused, and you skated. Well, baby, that party is over. The IRS is adding 20,000 enforcement agents, basically tax cops. Honest, hardworking Americans like you are in the crosshairs. Rich people have tax lawyers, and you don't. You'll pay up, plus interest and penalties. Tax USA Network has brilliant war room type strategies designed to solve your IRS problem quickly in your favor. Never call the IRS yourself. You're at their mercy. You could sit on hold for six to eight hours and get hung up on, grind you for all your back taxes, plus interest and penalties. Tax Network USA attorneys have a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to talk to and who to avoid. If they get difficult agent, hey, they just call a different agent. Tax Network USA learned of a limited time special IRS offer. The IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Schedule your free confidential consultation with Tax Network USA. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts. Think about that. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts. They offer a best-in-class client satisfaction guarantee. Now call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. And visit Tax Network USA. That's tnusa.com slash Bannon. tnusa.com slash Bannon. Make sure you take action on this today. This IRS grind is only going to get much worse. The apples in your holiday pie taste amazing, but it's not exactly the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables. The Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and your cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day, which, as you know, is almost impossible. That's why you need to check out Field of Greens. Every fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like your heart, your lungs, your kidneys, and your immune system. Yo, folks, the holidays are here, and you need to stay healthy. Plus, you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier. Field of Greens is the simplest way to get those daily fruits and veggies, and it tastes amazing. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com. Use promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com. 
fieldofgreens.com. Make sure you take take it today. Use your agency. Action, action, action. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. Now, you guys know we cover the lawfare against President Trump nonstop. Here, there's been some breaking news. The wife of Nathan Wade, the you know fusion Trump prosecutor turned Fannie Willis's alleged lover, I guess extramarital uh, lover, that the wife of Nathan Wade, Wade, I guess estranged wife, released credit card statements showing that uh, she she being Fannie Willis had been receiving, whether it was luxury cruises, hotel stays, Ubers, you name it, transportation, uh, being all paid for by Nathan Wade, the person that she was paying ridiculous, exorbitantly uh, high fees to, to again, prosecute Donald J. Trump. So I guess uh, never underestimate a scorned woman in all things. Um, but speaking of women fighting back, and I would say exposing the lies of the mainstream media, we still got Morgan McMichael with us, and we'll have Catherine O'Neill joining us after her. Uh, but Morgan, you brought up a very important point, and you know the year 2030 is very important to the globalists, right? It's sort of their, their goalpost year. Uh, 2025 is, of course, important to the Chinese Communist Party, too, with their Made in China 2025 agenda. I've always maintained that the reason they're coming out so forcefully against Donald J. Trump is because they know four more years of him would be a major impediment to this globalist agenda. I'm just curious where you think they are sort of at, either percentage-wise or just in terms of completion, in rolling out these agendas, do you think it's too late to stop it? Do you think they're too far along? Or do you think we still have time to reverse it? 100%, I think there is still time and we can reverse it. It's just going to take people like you and me continuing to raise awareness and actually doing something in our country. Because let's be honest, if America falls, everything falls. But they have not attacked America yet. I mean, they've tried. I mean, we've seen the last four years under the Biden administration. And I do think that China and the WEF and other globalist regimes are very, very threatened by our upcoming 2024 election, which is why we need to elect the right people into office so that they can push back against these outlandish agendas that they are trying to push and destabilize Western civilization. I do feel very grateful, though, for America because, you know, they're not just going to be able to come in here and create a totalitarian regime in just two seconds. You know, they're going to have to completely restructure our constitution and take it away. And But we all know that the first step into total control is to uh, completely strip everybody of individual liberties and our freedoms. But all that to say, I do not think it's too late. I think they have been implementing things all along, you know, whether I know your next guest is going to talk about meat, especially, you know, Bill Gates owning farmland and cricket farming and pushing towards, you know, eating those 2000 edible insects, which, by the way, you know, eating insects isn't actually very nutritious for humans. Um, you know, whether it's the augmented reality pushing of AI and pushing of, you know, the Vision Pro kind of software, the new the Google Glass and all of that kind of technological advancements or even health 
healthcare. You know, they predicted that we were going to be 3D printing organs and uh, making a more equitable healthcare, which really means a lesser standard of care. Uh, hasn't all been implemented yet in America. So I think they've been trying. They've definitely been beta testing the waters on our next generation. And some things have, you know, gotten a grasp on Gen Z, which I think the social media thing is the scariest part. But we're going to have to continue to push back against these crazy agendas. I would say uh, quite literally testing the water. Morgan McMichael, if people want to follow you, stay up to date with everything you're working on, where can they go to do all that? Watch the doc, do all of it. You guys can find me, War Room Posse, on all of my socials at Morgan, M-O-R-G-O-N-N. And like Natalie said, I am coming out with a mini documentary with Turning Point USA. And it's really exciting where there's going to be a bunch of footage from me reporting in Davos and also now talking about just the World Economic Forum and how they're going to be implementing their agendas and how we can deconstruct them. So you guys can find that on the Turning Point USA YouTube channel sometime next week, but I will be posting it on my channels. So if you can spell my name, you can find me, M-O-R-G-O. NN. A jack of all trades. She can come on and talk Taylor Swift or the World Economic Forum. Morgan, thank you Either so one. much for joining us. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. Now, it is a pleasure to bring on my next guest, a good friend, Catherine O'Neill, who survived the DC swamp, especially the evil bureaucrats at the State Department, <laughs> moved out Barely. to far superior. Yeah far superior Wyoming and uh you I guess practice what you preach here in the warm entrepreneur capitalism of course everyone knows Meriwether Farms but there was a story today it had to do with the government accountability office report uh talking about how the United States doesn't even know uh the percent of farmland or public land that is owned by foreign entities the Chinese Communist Party or otherwise I thought you'd be the perfect person to bring on to sort of react to this and break it down. But I'm just curious from your limited experience, again, you just started your company, but you know, have you seen foreign incursion into farmland? Is there Chinese Communist Party owned land in Wyoming? Like, what do you think the landscape looks like? I guess, quite literally. Thanks so much, Natalie. To my knowledge, I am not personally aware of any land that is by the, the CCP. However, I know there's, there's a lot of pressure um, by people within our own country to pressure ranchers to sell their land and put them into what is called a conservation easement, which essentially cedes control to the government to control um, that land. So I think part of the mission of my company is to provide an outlet for these ranchers so they can uh, withstand that pressure to sell their land. Because right now it's become very expensive to maintain with property taxes and other fees and regulations. So in order for them to stay afloat, sometimes they feel necessary, it, it, it necessary for them to sell this land. So with Meriwether Farms, we're providing an outlet for them to stay in business. And I think it's a shame, Natalie, that every governor in the United States is not outright banning the sale of land, American land to foreign entities. It's a, it's a shame, it's an absolute shame. Can you walk us through that process a little bit? Because it sort of seems we were talking in the earlier segment about a lot of the World Economic Forum, the WHO's sort of broader agenda where you just can't reconcile it with reality or common sense policy, right? Do you think this is part of sort of a concerted effort? There, I know there's a new kind of vegan propaganda film out on Netflix. But do you think this is sort of part of a, a broader push to normalize the, the I would say, drift away from meat, from steak, uh, to this more plant-based diet? 
Absolutely, Natalie. It's a conceded, coordinated effort. So about 30 billion pounds the American cons Americans consume per year, according to the USDA, 30 billion pounds of meat. Tyson Foods, which provides about one in four of those pounds to the American consumer, just invested in a European insect protein company called Protix. I mean, if that's not blatant, I don't know what is. A company that provides the United States with one in four pounds of meat is now partnering with a company to provide insect protein. It's, I, I just, I, that's, I mean, it's right there in front of us. And I know you guys have been having ridiculously high demand, which is so wonderful. I'm sure the war and posse yes. piles in, which, which they should do. Your selection is absolutely fantastic. I know my mom has ordered some stuff and loves it, but can you walk us through your sort of day-to-day -day process too, from the, you know, cattle perspective? I know you guys never use, use hormones, but any of these other sort of weird trickeries that the, uh, you know, globalists want you to use or normalize with cattle, how you guys go about avoiding that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that is a, is a hot topic right now is the use of mRNA vaccines for, for cattle. I have thankfully never come across any of that myself. Um, however, that's not to say that they're not trying it. I mean, we work with uh, ranchers that have extremely high integrity and we observe the care, we, have, we conduct the feeding, we conduct the processing. I mean, we are very integrated with these um, ranchers uh, programs, so we we can see everything that they're doing. However, that's not to say that that that's not being tried elsewhere. So, um, and one of the things that we do is we it, we ensure a standard for our customers. So, if you come on to MerryweatherFarms.com and you buy beef from us, 100% of the time you are getting a product free of hormones, free of antibiotics, and free of any weird vaccination protocols that they're trying to um, incur on on these animals okay so let people know first of all give us the website one more time if there's a, a war room posse discount and what you guys offer you know what the most popular stuff is I, i'm genuinely curious <laughs> yeah so we're actually doing a special today because like you've mentioned and i'm so thankful for the war room posse you guys have been so good to us i mean we are just totally gone gangbusters in sales and it's been really difficult for us to keep up with the demand because we have such high standards for our products and so it's been hard to find um you know ranchers that are willing to alter their ranching mechanisms to and and herd health to exclude these hormones and antibiotics and other things so it is it's been challenging for us but we work with some really amazing people and we've, we're offering a special edition right now. Um, it's it's a blend. It's a blend of a breed called an Angus, which is typically what the breed that raised Black Angus. But we it's a blend of an Angus and a Charlay. Charlay is a lighter colored uh, cow. If you are familiar with uh, breeds of cattle, and Charlay tend to have a, a larger muscle structure. So the steaks that are available today. Um, in our special edition may actually be a little bit bigger than what you're used to, which is going to be great. But like I said, we'll still have those same standards of no hormones, no antibiotics, and standards of care. So we, we have a very limited supply right now. Um, so if you want to go and try this new edition that we're partnering with this brand, 
Um, go to merryweatherfarms.com. Use the discount code WARROOM10. As always, we want, always want to take care of our War Room customers. And I, I would love your feedback, too, on this new um, edition of our, our product. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. And War Room Posse, go get some steak. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Thanks, Catherine. Natalie. Great to see you. Of course, likewise. And Warren Posse, we got some exclusive footage with Jane Zirkel from the March for Life in Washington, D.C. that we will roll until the end of the show. She froze for you guys to get this footage, so make sure you watch and have a wonderful weekend. War Room is on the ground at the 51st annual March for Life. Now, I want to talk to you about the abortion pill controversy that's going on right now, because, of course, the Supreme Court agreed to hear the Biden case over abortion drugs. Tell me about what you experienced. Well, um, it's six, 54% of the uh, children now, the recent data came out, 54% of the babies that are killed are killed via abortion drugs. And in all 50 states, it's actually not illegal to order abortion pills shipped to your home. And to prove it so, I went online and actually somebody sent me for free a package of abortion pills in a state that has outlawed abortion. Which state was that, if you don't mind my asking? The state of Fort Wayne, Indiana. And they put the address of all places to the attorney general was the sending address. They're that brazen about it. And you can kill a child in the womb with a pill in all 50 states. Film yourself doing it. It is completely legal because of the loopholes that we have. We need to end abortion. It needs to be a crime to kill an image bearer of God. It has to be. Until we make it not only a crime and unthinkable to kill a human being, we will continue to do this madness. Look, there's no instructions even that came with this. How safe is that for a woman who takes it? What's your name? My name is AJ Hurley. I'm the director of outreach at the White Rose Resistance. How can people support your anti-abortion activism? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at AJ Hurley, but then you can also go thewhiterose.life. I work with Seth Gruber. We are trying to awaken the sleeping giant that is the Church of Jesus Christ to end child sacrifice in America. Thank you so much. War Room is on the ground at the 51st Annual March for Life. My name is Jane Zirkel, and let's talk to some of the attendees. Can you please tell me your name and where you're from? My name is Andres Gonzalez, and I'm from Texas, but I'm here with Benedictine College from Kansas. What brings you here? What compelled you to come here, and why are you pro-life? So my family is a very pro-life family, and it starts with my grandmother, who was considering aborting my older, or my, her oldest daughter, and she ended up choosing life because of my grandpa. And ever since then, my family has been incredibly dedicated to the pro-life movement, and my grandma actually has a 40-year-long 40, uh, 40 career in pro-life. What are some of the things you would tell to other young people to get them to join the pro-life movement? Um, well, I would start from like a Christian standpoint. So I would say that um, the gift of life is the greatest gift that we can be given by God and only God can take it away and only God can give it to us. So I would start at that point. And um, just you can see by the people here that we're all filled with so much joy and Everybody in our world and my generation is looking for something fulfilling, and I think that's something that can really be found in this movement. Awesome. Thank you so much. Enjoy the march. War Room is on the ground at the 51st Annual March for Life. Can you guys please tell me your names and where you're from? I'm Selena. Hi, I'm Chloe. Hi, I'm Rima. I'm Angelina. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm Grace. 
And where are you from? We're all from Detroit, Michigan. That's awesome. So what brings you guys out to the March for Life today? What brings us out is to fight for those who can't speak for themselves. It's not fair that they don't have a say. So we're fighting for the unborn um, and so that they can have a chance to live just like we all had a chance to live. Uh, we're here to march for their lives. And we're also here to support the woman um, who are going through these difficult times um, of being pregnant. And we also support them and support and just support them giving birth. And we actually come from the Chaldean Catholic Diocese and we have lots of um, ways for them to get help and support, and we're all he we're here for them too. Now, going into 2024, do you think abortion is on the ballot? And what party or candidate do you think holds your pro-life values most dear? Yeah, I think for us, um, as for voting in elections for the presidents, uh, Donald Trump has said multiple times that he is pro-life, and he's looking for a pro-life America. So I think that's what we would have to go with. If you were talking to a woman who was considering an abortion, what are some of the things that you would tell her? Yeah, I would definitely comfort her. Um, it's obviously a really hard decision to make. Uh, I would definitely support um, kind of the way she thought. I would help her through it. And I would personally, myself, I would bring her to someone um, like a counseling center or something like that. We have them through our churches, the Office of Life um, in Southfield, Michigan. And I would help her go through that and kind of get the counseling she needs. We'd pray for her, too. What are some of the ways that people can support your pro-life activism? Yeah, just coming out to things like this. Um, even for us, prayer is really big. Um, it's the silent support that a lot of people need in these times. Coming out stuff like this, going on social media, reaching out to people, anything like that is great. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy the march. We are on the ground at the 51st Annual March for Life. Can you guys please tell me your names and where you're from? Uh, Richard, I'm from Annapolis. Isabel, I'm from Annapolis too. And what brings you guys out to the march today? Because we're pro-life. You know, we're just we want to make sure that babies have a right to be born. What are some things you would say to people to get them to join the pro-life movement? I would say that you're looking at abortion as a means to an end and not as a way to better improve your life. Now, going into 2024, abortion is definitely on the ballot. Do you feel like there's a candidate who best represents your pro-life values? Um, I have to say I'm not super familiar with the candidates at the moment, but I think it's important to look at each group's, um, each candidate's like, own policy and see if they're not only going to just be pro-life, but also like, uphold the constitutional values that actually do support life in this nation. I don't think so at all. I'm all about like local government first and then deal with the bigger issues as they come up. Because if you can get your local government involved, that's how you make the change. What are some of the local battles that the pro-life movement is facing currently? A lot of the local battles are going to be the argument of church versus state because a lot of people who are pro-life happen to be Christians. So the big thing is going to be either reframing it or making it so that the average person can understand where we're coming from. We are on the ground at the 51st Annual March for Life. Can you please tell me your name and what brings you here today? I'm Aiden. Uh, I'm from Notre Dame. I'm with the group from Notre Dame. And I'm here because I love life. I respect life. And I'm here to get the word out and just be a witness. What are some of the reasons you're pro-life? Uh, I believe every life is sacred. Every life is from God. Every life has true value all the way from conception to death. And I feel we need to, to honor that and value that. What would you say to other young people to convince them to join the pro-life movement? 
Uh, I would just say to, to look at the facts, uh, to look at the studies. Um, I think we need to focus on those. And once you realize that it is truly a life in the womb, uh, I think it's undeniable to, to say that abortion is okay. And once we focus on the facts, focus on the issues, uh, then we can have a, a much better world with uh, more pro-life generation. So going into 2024, abortion is definitely on the ballot. Is there a candidate who you feel best represents your pro-life values right now? Uh, no, I haven't been uh, for the election. For the election, for the election uh, I'd have to say Donald Trump. Uh, he served. Uh, he got three great Supreme Court justices in the court, which helped uh, overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, those were incredible for the pro-life movement. And he, uh, I'd love to see him in office again. Awesome. Thank you so much. Enjoy the march. War Room is on the ground at the 51st Annual March for Life. Can you guys please tell me your names and where you're from? David Mamola. We're from Tampa, Florida. Jay Killian, Tampa, Florida. I'm James Slack, Tampa. What brings you guys out to the March for Life today? We're here to save babies. We believe that life begins at conception and legally should be protected at all stages. Innocent human life. So what would you tell other young people to get them on board with the pro-life movement? I would say the pro-life movement is all about defending those who can't defend themselves. So we're here to be a voice both of the, for the unborn and for those poor women who are often pressured into abortion when that's not the best decision they could make. Going into 2024, who is the candidate that best represents their values? But wait, I'm going to count to three and you're going to yell that name. One, two, three. Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay, wow. Okay. I love it. I love it. True or false? Using your tax refund to pay off credit card debt is a smart thing. Actually, that's false. Donewithdebt.com published a brilliant strategy designed to let you keep your hard-earned tax refund and reduce or eliminate credit card debt. Most Americans owe thousands in credit card debt. In fact, Daily Mail's got a story that 56 million Americans carry credit card debt, and that debt will take years to pay off, if you pay it off at all. Done With Debt found that filing bankruptcy is usually not the answer, and taking out loans to pay off credit cards usually increases the debt. When you engage Done With Debt, their legal experts and skilled negotiators take on the credit card companies for you. Their winning strategies are designed with one goal. Solve your debt situation quickly and permanently. First things first, chat with a Done With Debt strategist and explore your solutions. Some debt fighting strategies are time sensitive, so you'll need to move quickly. For a free consultation, visit donewithdebt.com. That's donewithdebt.com. Com. Do it today. Take action. Early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. War Room Health, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.